Hey folks, after the fact Calvin here. So Gary's still in Minnesota, and so we decided to take the opportunity to do a special episode for the finale. We recorded in person. With COVID, that meant we were outside at a park, and we had some technical difficulties and had to record using one mic. All that means is, though the conversation is at the forefront, and I don't think you'll have any trouble hearing, you will hear some park sounds uh, throughout the episode. I'm just letting you know ahead of time so you can go into it with the mind frame Iroh would have, thinking of it not as an obstruction to the conversation that you're hearing, but as the gentle sound of wind blowing through trees, a calming back and forth in the middle of a Minnesota park. So, without further ado, the finale. nice out here in nature (laughs) here in nature minnesota (laughs) my favorite place (laughs) yeah we've uh we've got we've got a special uh special episode here for multiple reasons i mean got the finale coming up here and uh this is also our very first time recording this podcast in person live And yes, we are remaining a social distance, and we're not talking directly at each other in case you just got the shivers. (laughs) We won't be getting the shivers. Yes, no. (laughs) Or the coughs, or the sniffles, or the snorks, or snakes, or any other variation of sniffling. But they might be snakes, because we're in nature. (laughs) Speaking of which, if this is your first time listening, that's alright. But uh, this is the season finale, so you got some stuff to catch up on. Oh my god. If not... Thank you so much for making it this far. Wow. We're really glad to be able to be out here in the middle of this beautiful area doing our season finale. But I think we're even more glad to just be doing a season finale. We made it this far because, uh, well, discipline, people listening, people (laughs) enjoying. But, like, all in all, it just feels good. It's, I don't know, it's, it's very satisfying to be coming to, like, a big landmark in a, you know, a period of getting this done i don't know it's like uh and it's very satisfying that there are people out there actually listening i don't think you know all three of you (laughs) thanks uh, mom (laughs) yeah right um i've been watching something that is extremely on brand for this podcast in fact i have thought about um even recommending it as a show we would do it with but i think there's too much of it but Scrubs. Ooh, I knew that was coming. One of the most influential shows of my childhood. Um, For those of you who don't know, this is a fact. Sorry, I don't know. <laughs> my first email address <laughs> like, was, I was Scrubby gonna, Beetle. <laughs> that's what I was about to say, but I didn't want to just give away, give away Calvin's email address. <laughs> I was like, for those of you who didn't know, yeah. uh, I should probably not. Say at that. AOL. At AOL. It that's wasn't you, AOL, but. <laughs> that's how you know. <laughs> that's how I'm gonna hide. But yeah, there you yeah. Go. I mean, this is a show that's been very interesting to watch through a new lens, the multiple new lenses that we've been acquiring. Um, you know, they they're a show that for you know I didn't realize it was 2001. Like this show started 20 years ago. 
Oh, wow. Um, so I like, don't know if that oh, wow was at the 2001 or at the fact that I'm now realizing that 2001 is wow, about 20, 20 years, years ago. ago. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's interesting. Uh, Eva said that the other day and I was like, no. No, it's from at least <laughs> <No>. 2005. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's an old show at this point and for for the time it came out, it was fairly progressive. You know, it had a lot of progressive things to say and like addressed issues that just weren't even talked about. But it does not always handle them very well, necessarily. I can understand that being a wanted, like, thing to do on this uh, podcast, then. That could totally... If not a whole uh, series, maybe you'll find an episode in there that you're like, ooh, we need to talk about this. Like, here's a certain... Here's one example. Uh, Turk, for one episode, is, like, homophobic. He's like, for the sake of the plot, he is homophobic. Uh, And then it never is brought up again. And, like, him and JD do stuff that's, like, if he was as uncomfortable being, like, intimate, even in a friendship way with another man, he would not, you know, half a season later be laying in bed with JD and, like, you know, flicking their uh, legs back and forth as they're laying on their tummies, like, gossiping about stuff. It just, it's not even in the continuity yeah and in the you know part of the episode like he has a he has a patient who his like husband his partner comes in um and turk like cringes and like looks away and he's like oh and like super uncomfortable and it's just like yikes it's like when you have uh i don't i don't know if the word forced is right but i think it might be forced uh What's the word I'm looking for? Character traits. A forced yeah. character trait to push a push a narrative rather than to give that character growth. It does. I mean, yeah. Later, when you're watching it, you're like, okay, but this dude's a homophobic asshole. So, am I supposed to now <laughs> like him? Did he get redeemed? Right. Yeah. And did they do a redemption arc in the episode, or is it just something that kind of happens? It's like at the end of the episode, he, Turk and JD go to a bar. And JD's been trying to get him to, like, open up about his relationship with Carla. And he's been distancing himself because he's scared about being, like, any sort of intimate with a man. And at the end of the episode, he's like, all right, let me try this out. And, like, starts talking about his relationship. And then JD's, like, you know, over voiceover voiceover monologue comes in. Um, So, I don't know. It, it, like, for 2001, it feels like a redemption arc. But looking back on it with this new lens... Right. Could have been done a lot better. Yeah. Or not at all even because did it have a point? Is that kind of uh, one of those things? I mean, that, that's the thing is like, and that's actually why I want to talk, why I brought up this episode in particular is like Eva and I were talking about it afterwards. Or even, I think it was just a sentence as the episode was ending. I said, like, thumbs up for deconstructing uh, male fragility in being like open and vulnerable with your other male friends, but thumbs down on the, like, normalizing of homophobia. Totally. Like, yeah. it's not like... They never make a point of him being fucked up because he's homophobic. And that's important. They just... It's just, like, kind of a character flaw that they present, but yeah, not as, if, as something like, that's, like, hugely he problematic. He can be that way, but as long as he connects with JD, it's okay. It's, Where in it's reality, like, yeah. it's like, that is not good. Right. That is causing harm, death, and destruction yeah. to communities of people and just, that should be addressed yeah negative like such massive amounts of like 
violent negativity to so many people's lives. Like that's reinforcing structures. So, um, interesting. Yeah, I, the... I don't have something to dive quite that deep into. I have just been playing the shit out of Doom Eternal. Ooh, it's right. literally taken up all the time I would be watching shows. I'm still on Hannibal. I'm on season three now. Um, I think that's that's like just a show I don't need to say anything about. If you've watched it, you know what I would say. And if you haven't, I don't even know if you should watch that <laughs> show. It's just brutal. That's all I'll say. But uh, Doom Eternal is also very brutal. So <laughs> You've been uh, entrenched in. Yeah. this like every t- I feel like the last few episodes that we've watched have been very, very important for my mental health because I've been watching and experiencing so much brutality that someone as wholesome as Aang is important to me at this point in my life. So, yeah, I don't really have much to say about Doom Eternal other than, thank God we watched Avatar after hours of it because I needed it. And uh, not only did we watch some Avatar, we we watched two of the best episodes of two, Avatar. Absolutely two of the very best episodes of the whole series. The like, whole series, I seriously yeah. think this might be... I even might like this better than, like, the very ending of the show. I think I might, too. Uh, the feeling it gives me is just naturally... I just get the chills <laughs> so yeah. many times. Yeah. Uh, let's dive in. So, uh, I figure we can just do a recap of both episodes as one. Because it really... This is one of those two-parters that it doesn't even feel like uh, to be continued yeah, previously. You just, on ap- you just you watch, watch it. You watch it. You watch it as one. By the way, this is a new lens, a podcast Gary and I started to talk about media and film and TV that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. I'm doing this real quick so we can get to everything we have to say about this episode because I have so much to say. Basically, the last episode ended with Zhao and the Fire Nation about to attack, and this two-part episode is that attack. They are attacking the Northern Water Tribe while Aang looks for a spiritual path to saving them um they go to like this really cool spirit oasis thing where he uh he goes into a meditation and finds himself in the spirit world we see that iroh and zuko are planning something but clearly zuko doesn't have a very solid plan so iroh's nervous we know that iroh becomes i mean there's a lot of nervousness in this episode anxiety iroh's nervous about zhao's plan because he finds out that zhao is going to do something with the moon spirit, which we'll get to. Um, we've got Sokka and Yue being anxious for each other because she's in like a set up marriage and he just met her, but is totally falling for her. We've got so much of that going on and it all kind of just goes down this path of anxiety, wondering, leaving you wondering what's going to happen. Like is the Northern water tribe about to be taken over by the fire nation? And, uh, yeah, I think the details will come out in the episode, or, you know, throughout this episode, but that's pretty much it. It's uh, a pretty good summation, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to spoil the very end, too, even though you've all watched the episode. It's just fun to talk about in real time, so let's yeah. get to it. Oh, I agree. So um, There's we... a lot of really good comedy at the beginning of part one to, like, ease us into everything yeah, that happens, totally. you know? Yeah, and even throughout, there's a couple moments of just, like, a, you needed that breath. It's like yeah, right. a lot of people criticize like a lot of movies that are coming out nowadays of doing that thing where right when a serious moment could be serious, they'll throw a joke in. And I feel like 
that formula is most perfected within these two episodes yeah. of having serious moments having a breath with a little beat of comedy without the comedy taking away the seriousness <laughs> i just remembered one that's gonna come but we'll get to it um i love i mean i don't know okay i usually bring up points in this show by going i love this moment uh I mean, I do. I genuinely mean it every time, but I'm trying to break that. But also, I have a criticism of this moment, so I'm not going to start it that way. Uh, the very beginning of this episode, like, Paku has been training Katara. And again, I feel like, you know, carrying over from the last episode, I don't really feel like he got enough of, like, a, you know, lesson learned from being a sexist brick. I agree completely. I think Paku is one of a couple characters in the whole show who I'm like, all right, you, come on, you know? Yeah. It's, he kind of, I don't want to go this far, but he almost feels like a character out of, wow, how did I already forget the name of the episode because it's that bad? <laughs> oh, God. The the bad one? The bad one. The, the not good one? The passage? The, the episode the, that shall not be made? Yeah, shall let's not just be call named. it that because I can't remember it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's it's... Like we were talking about with Scrubs. We've got a character with growth needing to happen. And the growth happens for us as an audience, but not for him. Not for the people in the situation. We, we know that now he's like cool with training Katara. But did he ever actually apologize? Did he ever oh, no. say, hey, I'm sorry for being sexist. That's wrong. You're right. No, he just is he now just like, training her. All right, I'll train you now. Kind of like Scrubs, where he's just in the end is right. kind of warming up to it rather than sure. being like, oh, man, you know what? Because, like, I think people watching these shows, any show, they're going to relate to stuff. And if someone is relating to a homophobic character or a sexist character, it's really important for that character to look at you and go, hey, what I was doing wasn't right. <laughs> right. But yeah. that never happens. Yeah. Um, Beyond that criticism, though, I think there's, like, almost only excellence in these two episodes, and yeah. it almost makes up for it, but I think that's important to point out. Um, it's honestly mostly just the very first moment where I see his face, and he's like, yeah, she's, like, screwing him up, and I'm like, totally. you don't get to, like, you don't get I'm a mad joke at that moment. And she's it. even kind of like, yeah, you know, and <laughs> right. it's like, God, she, ah. Uh, my she, Katara wouldn't do that. I love her face as she's, like, about to face off with this dude. And she just knows she's going to fuck him up. Yep. And he knows she's going to fuck him <laughs> yep, up, Yep, he's all nervous. <laughs> and then she does. Immediately. She just <laughs> freezes him into a wave. Uh, this is a cool moment in the show, too, where I feel redeemed for a frustration I felt earlier when Aang was significantly better at learning waterbending than her. Yeah. As much as that's like it's it depends on who your who your character is. For me, I'm I'm a Katara guy. I like Katara a lot. So <laughs> in that moment when Aang is just like kicking ass at waterbending and she's really struggling, it always to me is like frustrating. I'm like, ah, oh, she's a waterbender. She should be better than him. Like, oh, that would be so frustrating for me. So this is just like, yes, yeah. she she has complete natural gifts for sure but like paku says hard work and determination like natural abilities only go so far and natural hard work, talent alone will yeah only get you so far hard work and determination are what you really need at a certain point and they're at that point now it's like 
you know, when you're a musician, you can be a naturally gifted guitar player, for instance, but there's a certain point where you need to learn techniques to be able to play faster or play, uh, you know, hit those harder notes or spread your fingers. And she's now learning those techniques in waterbending. She's clearly like, based on her fight with Paku, now with Aang and uh, that other dude, she's clearly like gained uh, a streamlining. Like she's now... She's not just sporadic, like, using all these different moves and hoping one works. She right. knows what's going to work and uses it, and she's winning fights in, like, two seconds. Yeah, and we get payoff in the in the, for that big time uh, Ooh, in part yeah. two of this. But, yeah, I love <laughs> Aang. He's not really ta- even taking it seriously. Like, he, he yeah, turns himself into a snowman. That is <laughs> Aang. As topples a, over, still there. there's that music. They're like, wah, wah. <laughs> The snowman thing is kind of cool. It's it's cool. But I like... wouldn't say I've mastered it, but uh... <laughs> right. Um... So, black snow. I think this is some of that's some of the most chilling imagery in the whole show. Just the oh my the the biggest. I we were talking before the episode that we both got goosebumps in this ep, in this episode yep. many times. Many times. The biggest and most powerful one for me, where I literally like had shivers in my chair. Was Sokka taking yes. Yue onto Appa, going up, and just the moment where the soot starts falling down, and he just says, "Oh no!" He just the gets way it. he says it. I'm oh. getting chills right now. Look <laughs> at my too. legs. I have goosebumps. I can see. I can see in person. We're in person, by the way. If you <laughs> New didn't lens know. live. <laughs> yeah, no, and it's one of those things where I was reminded of those flashbacks that he has in that episode, Bato of the Water Tribe. Yeah. Where it's like those black and white drawings of him missing his dad. I, For some reason, I get a similar feeling as that. Where it's like, we know Sokka well enough to know that this isn't just like a, hey, I recognize this. It's a, I've experienced this. Yeah. This is right. bringing about emotions within me. Yeah. And the fact that UA doesn't know what it is, is even more chilling. Because it's right. like, they don't even know what's coming. Yeah. They're not ready. <sighs> Oh my god! And and the sheer volume of soot that's falling, like oh he, yeah, compared it's to what he's all seen, of it. and he knows that is like seeing the sky, like the clouds in the distance, all black because of this. This has to be a massive fleet, and it is. I love that. Up uh, when up or uh, not up, when Ang notices it, <laughs> he's rolling around in the snow. He's literally like yeah. got his legs crossed, and yep. he's like <laughs> fucking around. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, no one was ready for this to happen. Momo tries to eat it and, like, coughs. Right, right, yeah. Which is honestly... That's an interesting... It's not as, like, comical as it could be. It's almost like, oh, Jesus. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. We skip over to Zhao, you know, in the sh- in the coming ships, talking to Iroh, uh, and Zhao is, like, this is, you know, he's like, this is fantastic. We're going to wipe out the Water Tribe. Dude, yeah. And Iroh drops some wisdom, man. I, it's so cool seeing Iroh as this character. Because Iroh, to me, and to probably anyone watching, even at this point, it's like, a, wait, is he maybe not a bad guy? Like, he gives off this vibe of, like, he's too wise to be evil. You know what I mean? Right. So seeing him, like, straight up working with Zhao... It's just so cool because it's yeah. he's using his wisdom. He's not using his like lust for power like Zhao is. So it's like he's literally thinking about it from like this. I don't even know how to explain it. Like a a wisdom in battle perspective yeah. rather than 
and like he's being wise with his whole little thing with Zuko going on. He needs right. to appear a hundred percent on Zhao's side, or mm-hmm. else there will be a trust thing broken. But even just like putting them side by side, you can <laughs> and just, just imagine opposing the two of them makes you see because we've seen Iroh in many scenarios, and he just seems more like regal and noble and wise, and like slightly more morally good. And I think part of the Part of that impression we get from him is, like, everything we've gathered about how he feels about his failure at bossing say. Because people bring it up and they're like, ah, you fucked that up. But every time there's this air of sadness and not in a way that, like, it's a pain yeah. at having done what he's done. Totally. And not, it's at, not at his failure. Yep. And I love the way it's brought up in this scene specifically because Zhao's talking about wiping out the rest of the Water Nation and uh, Iroh says history is not always kind to its subjects. Because he's talking about going down in history books. And uh, Zhao says this is going to be different than your failure at bossing say. And Iroh like, looks down and there's a pain that in his look. voice. And he says, for your sake, I hope it is. Yeah. Oh. Iroh has oh. a couple, two or three moments through these episodes that are so good. Some yeah. Oh. Good yeah. writing, yeah. acting, and music all coming together to make you just truly know that he's serious. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think we've gotten an idea with like the speech Zhao gave in the Blue Spirit and with him being promoted in the uh, same episode. We get that he's like this power-hungry, evil dude. Mm. But now that we know... I don't know, the way he's talking about his tactics here and the way he's planning mm-hmm. it... He is... He's got to go. Well, he's bringing all the force of the entire uh, Fire Nation Navy to just, like, fuck them up. And he's on a mission. But even beyond that, at the beginning of the episode, we can tell he's got more planned. Yeah. it's You know, like, he's hiding something. It's not a sporadic hope for the best thing. He's... It's terrifying. Um then Iroh, after that meeting, he, he, like, checks in with Zuko real quick, and he's like, I hope you have a plan, and Zuko's like, I'm working on it, in a way that's like, it'll be fine. But, like, what he said is, like, we're landing soon. We're, like, getting there. We're, like, going to be there soon. What are you doing? And he's like, I'm working on it. It's fine. You're gonna die if you don't have a plan, man. And which continues into Zuko's actual plan being, uh, com- like, he actually does it, and he doesn't have a plan at all. Like, yeah. he very much has no idea what he's doing. He's relying on his skills, which does get yep. him very far. Yeah, if he was unskilled, he would have died, like, right away. Yeah. Um, which is cool to see how he's using his survival skills in a situation. But I think it's 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 nice that they're willing to show us someone genuinely just, like, struggling. Yeah. Zuko struggles in these episodes, and... There's some payoff, but we'll get to oh, that yeah. in a second. Uh, I wanted to say I love that they continue the uh, Iroh's melody that he sang, the summer, spring, winter, and fall song. Yeah. That continues still throughout these episodes in, I think, two moments. One of them, uh, I think we're at now, is when the chief is giving um, everyone their mission, and he's putting those... Such yeah, a cool markings. moment when he puts yeah. the markings on their head. The same ones that Bato did yep. in, the, in that episode. Yeah, And just the looks on all these warriors' faces when he does it, 
they don't look ready. They look like they're going to go to die. You know what I mean? Yeah. It reminds me of uh, in Lord of the Rings, right before Helm's Deep, when uh, every all the old men and young boys yeah. are like lining up and they all have these just sad looks on their faces because they're like, we're probably all going to die, but we need to do this. Right. It's so similar to me. And then uh, Sokka like exchanges a glance with Yue right after he gets his markings and we hear that... Yeah. Oh man, Ooh. chills! I almost cried in that moment, and just because it's like. Then they flash over to her too, and she like, it's too painful. I mean, it's again part of this thing we touched on last episode, <laughs> which I'm really great grateful for Tucker bringing up, uh, because I I don't know if we would have uh, talked about it, and uh, it's very important that uh, to address that definitely. That character is very... The show is written and directed by 90% men, and oh, it's clear. yeah, right. Um, and talking about that is important when we're looking at it from a new lens of not just amateur filmmakers, but amateur filmmakers in a time of, hey, everyone, wake up. You know what yeah, I mean by that? right. Like, it's not... I mean, if we were doing the same podcast when the show was coming out, um, and just looking at it as, like, you know, for the first time with filmmakers' lens... We might not even address so many of those things, but I just feel like we are finally at a time, it should have been a long time ago, but we're finally at a time where the average Joe is going, hey, wait a second, that seems kind of fucked up. Right. And that's, that's super, super good and super important. Um, But anyway, continue with. Uh, I am going to spoil, well, not, it's not spoiling anything. You better be watching this. (laughs) You've seen the episode. Um. And, uh, yeah, usually we try and, like, I don't know, as much as we can. It's kind of pointless because you've seen the whole episode. So, uh, Yue's connected to the moon spirit in a certain way. I'll not say exactly why because we'll get to it. But uh, when the chief, Chief Arnuk, is giving, like, his speech to this crowd to try and rally people to, like, join up and fight, uh, he talks about the spirits of the ocean and the moon. And that's actually, I feel like when it's first int- that concept of those two spirits and their interaction is introduced and standing at his sides are Yue and Paku who oh, wow. Yue has a connection with the moon and Paku is the like the master most waterbender. developed waterbender that there is probably in the world. Totally didn't even catch that. That's so, so cool. He's like made those spirits help us and he's like holding his hands out <laughs> to, to like in you know wow right next to him. Yeah. Uh, I just thought that was really fucking cool. And then once they're all, like, basically ready for battle, I loved this cinematic uh, shot decision to be a callback to the intro sequence. Yes, I was hoping you were going to yes! bring it up. When Aang the is Avatar stands. standing there. Yeah. It's, yeah. like, the specific way he stands when he's ready. And, and that, like, zoom in and swoosh up. And it almost, to me, I was, like, watching the show for the very first time, I remember feeling like a... Like that feeling when in a movie they say the name of the movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. It just feels, there's something about it. Well, it gives you a connection to like the grand scale of the show. Totally. An indication that this is a very big, important moment. And then immediately the battle begins and it does not disappoint. (laughs) You know, like the first thing that happens is one ship shows up and launches a fireball and crashes a massive hole into the front 
gate of yeah the, this isn't something water tribe. easy to fight back like i was thinking in my head leading up to the battle all right but when you think about it the whole place was built by waterbending and there's a bunch of waterbenders there so couldn't they just like churn the wall into water for a second and then turn it back into a wall or like couldn't they just right. waterbend the damages mm. but when you're watching the battle they are too busy to be yeah. able to just like there's just too many firebenders it's too much yeah yeah that would totally that's probably exactly what they did to keep the northern uh like whole city from being sieged in the past mm-hmm. maybe a few uh fire nation ships showed up and they were able to do that they were able to as you know, the wall gets broken, just re-water bend the wall back. But now they've got people trying to do that. They've got people trying to actually stop the fireballs. They've got right. people attacking. They've got people yeah. healing. And all the while, there's probably 80% of the fleet not even in sight yet. Yeah, there's so, only a few ships. And Aang takes one of them out. He, like, single-handedly so flies in. cool. I love when he's like, Appa, I got, I'm going to take it from here. And he... Appa does that, like, swirl around and yeah. he falls off and flies. And uh, that the use of... The, uh, we haven't seen these hammers before. Oh, these I just wrote down, this hammers. hammer guy is so cool. Because <laughs> the, the one, hammers he, themselves... The guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but the hammers themselves, you're right, we haven't. And this whole scene with him, like, taking down the ship single-handedly, it's cool for me for more than one reason. My favorite thing about it is we now see him getting, like, tactical. Like, mm-hmm. Aang isn't... I feel like Aang episode one would have airbended at everybody and hoped for the best and then got off and then they... I don't know. Mm. This Aang is literally destroying the catapults using... Yeah. Like, he tied two catapults together and fired one off. They're like, actually trebuchets. Trebuchets. There's a distinct difference and, uh, to be completely honest... I wasn't sure either, and one of the things I googled in the, like, five minutes I frantically did before driving down to this park where we met up was go catapult. Okay, that's what that looks like, trebuchet. Okay, it's a trebuchet. So, what is the difference? Do you know? Uh, I think the main thing is, like, a catapult seems, like, sort of spring-loaded. Like, it's, oh, it's yeah. from one axis. Where the other one is, And a trebuchet like has a weight on one side that swings it over... Uh, totally it's much yeah i think you're getting my <laughs> my I, visual cues yep, uh totally but i hope everybody uh understands what i'm saying in that um but it's cool how like ang's sort of childish childish mischief you know like his yeah. mischievous nature is what allows him to like take down this ship uh because he he just like He's like, how can I fuck up this catapult, you know? Yep. Just make it... And he sees someone using a hammer and it, like, damages it. So he just does his Aang thing and dodges everybody's attacks to make them... Yeah, it's awesome. This chain hammer dude almost gets him. And then Appa flies by and grabs him by the head. Did you notice that? Yep. (laughs) And it's not like he eats... He has his whole head. He, like, delicately, like, picks him up by the top of the head. Right, yeah. And then he just tosses him. Yep. I love that. Couple tosses in this episode. Oh, and then we get another just like a wildly satisfying callback moment when the waterbenders come oh, in on their boats. Yeah. And they lift it and you see the process of how the boat in the very first episode got to be how it was. Yep. You know, like it's exactly the same. It's it's clearly a strategy that they have 
as yeah. a tribe. Like they, okay, here's a, a move that we take five guys to do. And yeah, like it's, it's not just like a thing that happened once. Yeah. I love that. And <laughs> they take it out and then they zoom out and it's just like, fuck. I mean, he took it out almost single handedly. But he can't do that. Yeah, and he for even, all of these. He even says, yeah. "I'm just one kid." Yeah, I can't do it. I love that. Oh. There, uh, we talked about that a little more towards the beginning of the show. I think there was multiple times where Zuko was like, "He's just a kid," and then Aang was like, "Well, you're just a teenager." You know, like we had those moments right. a lot in the beginning, but this is just like one of those moments to remind you, like, "Hey, just in case you forgot the last few episodes, he's like." 10 yeah, you know right um so i wanted to talk about i forgot his name the gentleman who is setting up to marry yue han i think yeah yeah he is total dick <laughs> like he is but also i was thinking like why do i hate him so much like all he, he was is stupid there's in the just first that scene, one and immediately i'm like because ah, of him. the one line which isn't as i mean it's shitty but it's shittier because you know that Sokka does not feel this way. When Han says something along the lines of, right. I get to marry a princess and get all this yeah. stuff from it. Like, he basically is like... I'm realized, more concerned with the relationship it gives me with the chief that's than it, it is. That's yeah, it. Than yeah. I am uh, her. And, oh, it just bugs you because you know that Sokka, like, is genuinely, like, falling for this girl. Yeah, right. Oh, man. Uh, what Han does get his moment <laughs> oh he, he, he does get his just desserts yeah um before but we, we, when they're having this first sort of like skirmish uh Sokka gets recognized you know like he he has knowledge that's super valuable he's a warrior yeah. and like he's actually the, fought Fire Nation like Troops. Yeah, and none our, of them have our Nook addresses like he is a capable warrior from the southern are like brother tribe of southern uh, the southern water tribe we he should be respected that's moving on <laughs> um i i do like that they address also though that like the outfits have changed you know yep the that <laughs> right. they like yeah, grab the shoulder, the shoulder spike yeah i love that it's totally made out of rubber you know right. like you yeah. can tell by the sound it makes like right. those shoulder spikes aren't metal but now yeah, they're streamlined, is yep. what he says. Yep. Um, it's just cool that they're addressing, like, uh, you know, we've talked about the clothes in the past, and the clothes develop over time. Like, they address that, which I think is really cool. Another, like, sort of, you know, uh, organic world-building Ooh, detail. wow, what? that's actually making me think, too. What? The Air Nomads got wiped out 100 years ago, so Aang's clothes are technically, like, ancient. ancient. Yeah. I wonder, which I'm sure... You're going to be like, you got to watch Korra. But I wonder what, like, how if, how they would address that. Because now there is an airbender. So, like, in the future, wonder what air nomad clothes might look like. If there are air nomads, I don't even know. They're that's the all same. I'll I'm say. Sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. They're the same. <laughs> <laughs> the clothes they wear. Okay, well, that's the same. <laughs> really cool to me then. <laughs> it's really cool because they're, because like, Because they're honoring preserving. The, yeah, right, yeah. That's what but I that's was. That's a very particular. <laughs> uh, um, so we get a moment which is... Probably my favorite, no, definitely my favorite Iroh moment oh. up until now. Oh. So Iroh and Zuko are standing with each other, and Zuko's about to go. He's about to, like, go after the Avatar. And Iroh 
just gets emotional. He, he tears lays up. it out. He starts to sob a little, and he says, mm-hmm. did you write down what he said? It uh, looks like you. Yeah, I have a bunch written down, actually. I mean, he starts out saying, you're fishing for an octopus. Make sure you're, you're, you have a tight net, or he'll slip through your fingers. And Zuko's just like, dude, like, I don't need your wisdom right now, is what he says. Um, and he breaks down, and he says, Iroh just expresses that, like, he cares about him. And he's like, because, and Zuko's like, you don't have to say it. And he does. He, he's like, because you're like a son to me. Yeah, he says, like, ever since I lost my boy or yeah. something. Yeah, I way think he, of you as my own. And he hugs him. And the fact that Zuko down. even said, you don't need to say it, Zuko completely understands. He knows, but also the fact that he says it anyway is, like, really speaks to the power of this moment. Yeah, you know? yeah, no, it brought tears to my eyes and i raises the stakes too because you can tell iroh is very aware that the chances that he'll lose him in this mission are very high more than any other so far it's ever before they yeah and thinking about it they don't split up much you know yeah so this is like just imagine that like he's a father who lost his son to a very very similar situation Mm -hmm. in the middle of a siege he lost his son. And now yeah. he's about to siege a new... Yeah. Ah, man. Wow. It's like there are more parallels the more you think. I do have a question, since we were talking about clothing and costumes just there. Where did he get this outfit from? That is a little bit, I'm just like, he's got a perfect white outfit to blend into snow. None of the other Fire Nation, like, he's hidden out on a Fire Nation ship. It kind of totally. doesn't make sense that he'd get... I love the outfit. Like, I think it's so dope. But where do you get it? It's probably one of those things where if there was a direct commentary, which there yeah. wasn't, by the way, is why I haven't been bringing it up, <laughs> uh, I could see them being like, we like to imagine that this is like the undergarments of the Fire Nation or something. Sure. But That's the thing is, cannon. undergarments might not work, though, because they are warm. He has like yeah. a face covering. Right, yeah, it's like... Oh, maybe they just have that. Maybe the Fire Nation just does have, like, Warm snow clothes. outfits just in case. But I since feel like they're they'd going... be red, though, you know? Totally. Yeah, I don't know. It's It could be of Zuko's own making, like, because he's That's the blue true. spirit. He is stealthy. He, <laughs> maybe when... he, like, bleached a bunch of stuff, you know? Maybe when Iroh came to him and he's like, do you have a plan? And he's like, I'm working on it. Just, like, Zuko cuts to him in a washing really, machine with, yeah. like, some bleach. Yeah, right, right. <laughs> got a sewing machine. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like in Rami's uh, Spider-Man. You know how Tobey Maguire is, like, drawing and then he has, like, a shitty, like, homemade costume and then all of a sudden he just swings on the screen with just a high-tech suit. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think they even, at one point in the movie series, are like, where'd you get that? And he's like, I made it. And it's just like, <laughs> okay, whatever, you know? It's cool. Yeah, it looks right. awesome. That's what yeah, this is. That's fair. So Zuko does go, uh, I love the the chimes coming back from when he was the blue spirit. Yeah. I don't even know how to recreate that sound with my mouth. You kind of just did. I, I, I did my best. <laughs> You've got these turtle seals, and he like he, he figures out how to get in using them, which is a very, very cool sequence. Um, I love that he gets frustrated at them, and he's like, shut up! Yeah. And they, <laughs> Be like, quiet! Yeah, <laughs> And they do, They and they They're look like, at him uh, like, jeez. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, so they lead Aang to this oasis, 
uh, and Yue starts talking more about the moon and ocean spirits, mm-hmm. uh, and how the moon gives them strength, and the ocean is the life of the water. Yeah. And it's that very interesting relationship, because, you know, that's a real thing. The moon does pull on water, and that creates the tides, and so there is this relationship between them, and I, I just love how they bring that up and connect it in these yeah, spirits. the moon being the first waterbender. Yeah. That's such a cool way to describe it. They they say the moon was the first waterbender. The, its push and pull taught our people how to push and pull water themselves. Like, yeah. That's so cool. It's just, see, like, imagining them realizing what's going on and then being in, so spiritually in touch with mm-hmm. everything around them that they were able to literally do that too. Yeah. Like, bending in this show is so easy to just be like, yeah, it's just a a dynamic of the show it's like wands and harry potter or whatever but when you think about what it means to the universe like what how how you have to be connected with nature in such a spiritual way that like you can't even fathom it really because it's only possible in that universe it's some of the most beautiful shit ever it's not just like a way to fight and a way to oh here you want warmth we can create fire it's more than that it's their connection with everything right beautiful yeah i love that ang brings up he's like uh what is some spirit gonna come out and like create a crazy attack on the fire nation uh (laughs) (laughs) yeah anyway um sokka uh fights with han and the chief says he's off the mission now which he's super uh pissed about and uh, then he finds out his he's got different plans for him in mind, that he wants him to guard his daughter. So so do you think that that was completely like, uh, do you think the chief was just like, huh, who should I pick? Maybe this guy. Or do you think he low-key was like, I realize this is one of those situations that sucks for you, and I can tell you like my daughter, and I can tell she likes you. I wish it could be more than this, but this is all I can offer. That's how I've always interpreted it. I'm trying to think of any other reason he would choose this random <laughs> new dude you know? from the Southern Water Tribe to. And I think you're right. I think yeah. I think it's the he second has one. that little like because you know like when you, I don't know like it's like one of those things where it's like, you know, a moment between a, him and her dad, almost like a oh he, he kind of gets it. Cool. Yeah. You know, I hope for that at least. It'd be cool. I like that. I um, like to think that. Yeah. So he he gets Yue and they they're all together um, do we in this see, like spiritual did I, oasis. Did did I gloss over or forget a scene where he actually like goes and gets her? So what like happens says... is um, now that I'm talking about it, I'm pretty sure what happens is they're they're in the spirit oasis and then Zuko shows up. So Yue goes to get Sokka. She's like, because oh. all of a sudden Yue and Sokka show up on Appa. And Sokka's like, where's Zuko? And then Katara's yeah. like, he got him right from under me. Yeah. So I think what happens, because Yue's with Katara before Zuko shows right. up. So I think she runs to get Sokka, and that's when they become paired up. Right. Speaking of that moment, I think this is my favorite fight scene yet. Oh, it's so satisfying. And, it's and he's simple. like, oh, you learned a new trick. And uh, she's learned a lot of new tricks, dude. Yeah, and I love that he can tell. He mm-hmm. says, oh, you must have found a master. 
Right. I love that, because he has a master, so he knows what the difference is. He says it from inside this sphere she makes around him, and I love the process of her making that. Like, yeah. you can tell she's doing very specific hand movements, and that it's taking a lot of effort, and that this is a complicated move that she's doing. Like, it feels earned and difficult, but, like, in enough of a way, you know? Yeah, this is, like, the moment where... Uh, so last episode, Tucker was like, yeah, what, what is he even going to do for her? Like, she's already on the way to being better than this master. Right. I totally agree with that sentiment, but I think what he does for her shines here. He, he gives her, like, structure. Yeah. So I think that her versus Paku eventually would be a totally even match, but yeah. only because of Paku's guidance right and i'm not necessarily saying like she needed a dude to tell her how to do better no she needed a master she needed a master to teach her to teach her which ooh, is that kind of a little tiny bit of foreshadowing for maybe in the future of the series maybe very far down the series we'll see anyway there's a couple moments in this battle of slow-mo when Zuko almost hits her in the face with a fire fist. And then there's an almost, it's two almosts. It's like highlighting moments where he almost gets the best of her. And then he almost grabs Aang's collar as he's meditating, which we skipped over, which is an incredible moment as he's watching these spirits go around each other and they meld into the yin yang symbol. And as soon as it forms, he just poof, into the avatar state and goes to the Yeah, there's world. a lot of Holy really shit. cool, almost like psychedelic like imagery throughout this episode specifically with him in the spirit world and stuff yeah i feel like it's so easy to just gloss over like you know maybe he closes his eyes and when he opens him he's in the spirit world but they do it with like back and forth like a shot of him looking a shot of what he sees mm -hmm. him looking and now what he sees is different and now he's in the spirit world and his eyes are glowing. like the back and yeah. forth thing is really well done yeah. really cool Zuko does eventually, at the very end of this episode, get the best of Katara for a really, like, valid reason, too. Like, and is I this love our that first time been... realizing this reason, too? Well, uh, as they've been... No, because in the midst of the episode, Iroh suggests that, uh, that Zhao wait till daybreak because the waterbenders are more powerful with the moon, which is almost full. So at this night... The moon is almost full, which is crazy. That, and like that's this how Katara kicks so much siege ass, of the North takes like thirty six full hours. Like it, they do such a good job yeah. of progressing time too. In like when they cut from a fight between uh, Katara and Zuko to Iroh and Zhao, it doesn't feel like the exact same moment. A few right. minutes have passed, and then a few hours have passed, but it all works fluidly, so yeah. that time just goes by and there's enough cutting it. into battle stuff yeah uh to make you feel like that is going on while all of this is happening and there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there i didn't take any specific notes on any of uh the events that happen in there but i just remember there's a lot of really interesting stuff but uh but yeah the notion of uh waterbenders are more powerful with the moon and then zuko says you rise with the moon i rise with the sun because the sun gives firebender powers. It's fi fires, fire, fa, 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 fa. Ah, <laughs> firebender's power. Um, and so he captures Aang. Knocks out Katara. Knocks out Katara. Yue and Sokka come in. Fly in on Appa. 
and they're like, fuck, he's got him. And the episode ends with Zuko carrying Aang through this blizzard arctic tundra, like six stories up out of, out of this like ice sort of valley. Yep. And yeah, we just fade out on that. It's such an effective, like, I thought a different moment was the ending of the part one of this, but that is a really good moment to end. Mm-hmm. Because you're mid-battle, you know more's coming, but there's not anything specific, there's a lot of mystery. They didn't really show Aang in the spirit world yet, did they? Nope, that's episode, no, that's episode, two. episode we, two. We open on that. So, actually what episode two starts with is them at the oasis, like the spiritual center... And the first thing I have written down is just Momo <laughs> because yeah. they go out to find him and Momo is just, we don't even see his face. He's just like staring at the spot that Aang was just like affected. And I don't know why, but I was just like, ah, oh, Momo. I just like that hurt. It does hurt. And he's so innocent. He doesn't know what's going on. It's sad. But they are very easily able to find where he's going because he's leading this. He's creating this giant trail in the snow by dragging this body. So they find the trail pretty easily. But we follow down the trail. We zoom in on Aang, who's in the spirit world, and we open on that. And he enters the spirit world. Is this the first time that he's been, like, in the spirit world? Because he's, like... His spirit has traveled through our world to get to, like, the fire temple. Yep, in that episode with the Heibai, he, like, felt he was a spirit in our world. Right. But, to be honest, I don't know much about... I think still, at this point in the show, we don't know quite enough about the spirit world to even know if that is a thing. Like, are they different, or is it just in a different location? To me... It feels like this time is different than the last time. This time he's straight up in a different... Like, it's got different color grading and everything. Right. Like, the world he's in. And they even talk about how, like, the first time he went, you know, like, into the spirit world. I'm doing air quotes about around that. Uh, he did it by accident. Like, he, he went to a, a place. He wasn't meaning to go there. And basically what happened was just he was able to have his spirit travel outside of his body, which I think is technically going into the spirit world. But now we're establishing, like, these are different realms. Like, they are different physical places. I mean, I don't know how to, like, talk about that, because physical places, but, like, they are, it's a different environment that he's in completely and not just a different mental space, Mm -hmm. you know? And I feel like the spirit world... This could be a continuity error on the show. I look at it as like headcanon to why the spirit world is just more complex than anything I could even muster up. Yeah. So you you can't airbend in the spirit world, right? Right. But we learn that the way he opens his staff is by airbending, and he can still open his staff. He just can't use it to fly. Wait, when when did when did they say he opens it by airbending? Didn't they say that at some point, or am I just making that up in my head? I think you might be making that up, because... I don't know, there's definitely no bending in the... In the spirit world, right? In the right? spirit world. Because he also, in this one, jumps on top of the Heibai spirit, like, 12 feet. Which yeah. is totally not possible without bending, unless... Which my headcanon 
fix to that possible continuity error is the spirit world is it's just literally different like it's not that he can't he can't airbend but he can still jump a little higher he might still be able to I don't know. You know what things I mean by work, that? Things work differently in the spirit Literally, world. Yeah. I think that's canonical in this show and expanded on in Korra. And I think shown in several ways, but also like literally, I mean, he jumps up onto a branch that like melts away from under him yeah. at one point. You yeah. Know? Like, that's another thing too, which I think is super cool about this moment of him in the spirit world is he has like these guiding, like he has like a light guide him. And then he sees like a reflection and then it's, and then the reflection becomes Roku. And like, there's these cool ways that he travels that all feel like the dude's on drugs or something. You know what I mean by that? Like, it doesn't feel like a, Hey, follow me and I'll take you to Roku. It's like, I would follow that light if I were you. And then when he leaves the, the I love that monkey. Yeah. He's just like, (laughs) good riddance. Or what does he say? At the beginning he goes, go away yeah <laughs> <laughs> and then he tra- keeps trying to talk to him and he's oh <laughs> very funny i love that monkey i just have ice crack written down can you help me oh when oh when he's Zuko, running oh yeah when he's running and the ice crack uh, the ice starts cracking and i love the imitation of camera angles again they're using like shaky cam as he's running through to help you get the feeling that like the ground is shaking beneath him but also like action sequence you know like Mm -hmm. help with intensity and then as soon as he falls and like that shot is smooth and just follows him away and it helps the relief of like he has gotten to safe ground just like to uh highlight that and then there's also a really cool uh, tilt shift moment when he notices the shelter it's foggy in the distance and then it comes into focus oh yeah just little details like that are also helping you know kids recognize uh film language language yeah yeah the language of film yeah totally it reminds me of that nerd writer video about prisoner of azkaban how yeah. like that movie uses techniques that now kids who are adults then learned so now mm-hmm. we're like oh i didn't even realize it but watching harry potter taught me how to do a passing through a mirror shot or whatever yeah um so <laughs> iroh's journey into the spirit world question mark we get zhao talking to iroh about these moon and ocean spirits mm-hmm. and he says something along the lines of i've heard stories about your journey into the spirit realm and I just think that's some of the most intriguing shit. Absolutely. So cool. Because it's just not touched upon again in this moment. Like, he just kind of brushes it off. And it just make, leaves you with Iroh just has a background. Yeah. You know? At the beginning of that interaction there, he's talking about the full moon. Uh, and Iroh is saying, you know, as your military consult... I want you to know, like, they're going to be undefeatable if you, like, try. And he's like, I have a plan for the moon. And he's like, what? How? He talks about this hidden library, which is a really cool uh, foreshadowing to something that will come back later in the show. I just love that moment. Me uh, too. And, and that the, moment also reminds me of Lord flashbacks. of the Rings. Yeah. Of Gandalf searching yeah. for the, you know. Right. Um, Going to Gondor. Yeah. So we also learn about zuko's sister for the first time yeah zuko's talking to a knocked out ang mm-hmm. being like 
you wouldn't understand. You're just like my sister. Everything you've done has been so easy. And it's just My like, father says she was born lucky, and I was lucky to be born. Oh, man, what a line. I This is so important for Zuko and Zuko's like character development to learn how he thinks about it. And he says, I have had to struggle, and it has made me strong. Yep. Like that is what he believes is that all of the pain and like abuse and trauma that he has endured throughout his life him. is strengthening him and that it is to his advantage to like to go through be that. hardened by those yeah. things and to have to go through that. And it's just wildly telling as a character, but also also makes you empathetic towards him. It's so sad. It's, it's so, so sad. And it reminds me a lot. Of when Zuko's passed out and Aang is talking to him. Yeah. As much as what Zuko is saying right now doesn't feel like words that friends share, he's kind of confiding in a friend. He's kind of telling him how he feels and why it's so hard for him. And if you were just a straight up bad guy, I feel like he wouldn't give Aang the time of day. He wouldn't. He right. wouldn't be having those inner monologues to himself, wondering why am I being like this. He's. He's struggling with these ideas as much as it's a struggle for me to hear him have them. Yeah. Um, so. Meanwhile. Oh, in my the spirit God. World, the we... most terrifying thing of all of fictional media. Yeah, <laughs> like, honestly. It's... I can't think of a scarier thing. <laughs> it's can't. one of, like, you, <laughs> you remember episode one when you're like, man, this is a kid's show. Like, kid's show, kid's show. Little bald kid with an arrow on his head, you know, sledding with penguins. And here we are at Ko the Face Stealer and the faceless monkey that's at the, that's at the outside of his cave. Fuck that shit. Fuck that. I hate that so much. I think my least favorite part about it is that it's alive. Yeah. He doesn't just, he doesn't steal your ability to live. He just steals your face. Because Ugh. in the spirit world, you don't need one. And then he even says to Aang, it's been a while since I had a child's face. God. Think about that. Yeah. And then, oh, for some reason it always gives me just mega chills when he tells Aang, the last time I encountered the Avatar was three or four hundred years ago. Eight or nine hundred years Eight or nine hundred years ago when you tried to slay me over a, he says, I think it was over about a... A woman, right? Yeah, yeah. And then he turns into the face and her yeah. hair like beautifully flows out. And for some reason, it always makes me so, so deeply sad. Just thinking about this, because they're young too. The avatar that he shows an example is like a young, like maybe in his 30s, like, you know, uh, Zhao's age, I would say. And then when he shows the woman, you realize like he literally took a lover away from this man. And then that man went to to slay him and then he took him and then so scary it's such a potent moment and then he uses it to try and like lure ang in emotionally to get him off guard and then fucking freaks him out by changing into monkey face that's monkey face that's that monkey because he calls it a blue nosed uh something and that face has a blue outside so that is that monkey's face and it freaks ang out so bad that in order to steal himself his body in the real world goes. Oh, yeah, I forget about that. Oh, man. Oh, my God. <laughs> that scares me right now. Yeah. <laughs> and 
we're not even okay for those I know about 950,000 of you watch the series and the other 25,000 actually are just listening along blindly yeah, so yeah, for yeah. those of you who don't watch the series this uh this face dealer to describe it is a giant centipede with just a hole where its mouth should be and that hole like blinks like an eye and when yeah. it does it's a new face God. just imagine that and it makes the noises when it crawls because of its also um literally i i do not have very many fears like that just like really get to my core um centipedes are one of them i don't know why i just cannot handle it nope so the minute i see those legs as he's walking in the cave that's the first thing we see of this just like multiple legs (laughs) not okay (laughs) okay i can't let's uh Let's move on. Uh, let's move on. <laughs> so the next thing I have written down, which we can get, we can naturally talk about, but I just need to say it is, Katara owns Zuko. Oh, they yeah. catch up finally, and they find this cave. They go down there, and Zuko says, "Ready for a rematch?" And she goes, "I it's promise a- you, it's not going to be much of a fight." And <laughs> she creates this pillar of ice. And then it turns it into water? Yeah. And, and just smashes him into the ground. And, and it turns out. to snow, too. Yeah. She, like, makes it, like... Mm-hmm. She uses, like, all three forms of water to do one big attack and knocks him the fuck out. Yep. And they're about to leave him out there, which Sokka is down for. He's like, come on, let's go. Yeah. And, and Aang, Aang says no. He, like, very forcefully. Maybe the most, like, mature, forceful, like, knowledgeable that he's been. Just, like... No, if we leave him here, he'll die. And that is... He doesn't even go on. He's just like, that's unacceptable. You can tell by the way he says it. Which, by the way, is making me think about... There's a moment earlier, I think in episode one of this two-parter, where Paku makes like ten firebenders sink and then turn to ice. Yeah. And then he leaves them. Yeah. So, people Mm -hmm. are dying in these episodes. There's... Yeah, I've I've got a couple things highlighted or uh, notes about moments like just highlighting how this battle's going on all day, and there's this still shot as the uh, uh, as we're making our way tonight. There's this still shot that I love so much of the Fire Nation boats, the Fire Nation ships with the moon in the background. There's something very striking about that still. Like, they just flash to it for a moment. Mm -hmm. And it's just these massive ships and many of them against the moon. Um, And then, yeah, there's uh, Paku, like, doing this snow tornado thing that he's riding. Super similar to the thing Aang does in episode two. Yeah. Uh Which is cool because it shows, like, to me, that shows that Aang, whenever he was. Because I don't think we've fully understood what that is yet right yeah as far as the show explaining it to us yeah so we're assuming like this is some like all-powerful thing and can kind of tap into but now we're seeing just a master waterbender can do that yeah you know what i mean but mm-hmm. like maybe katara could do that move one day that's what i feel when i see him do that yeah right um i do love i don't want to talk anymore about uh ko but i do love the ideas that uh, the the background that he gives about Twee and La and the push and pull, um, and his Ang- voice is so good. By the way, did we look up who voices him? His name is Eric Todd Dellums. Who? 
the way he says when you just said twee and la i was mm. just disappointed because it wasn't him saying because <laughs> the way twee he says twee and la. yeah it's so cool oh absolutely um and he's <laughs> ko is just <laughs> there's just some kids fighting on a bridge over there um to the death. <laughs> but uh, Ko is like, you think you need the help of these spirits, but they need your help. Someone's going to kill them. They are good and evil, you know. I wonder how he knows balance, that. Balance, yin and yang. I think yang. that's cool. That how, is like, cool, yeah. Because Roku didn't know that. Yeah, that's true. You know, Ko must have... What, what does he say about Ko? That he, like, knows... Is he called Ko the All-Knowing or something like he's that? He's called Ko the Face Stealer. So I wonder... And the way Roku describes it to him, he's like, you must not show any emotion or he will steal your face. And it's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, you mean it. You mean, like, Face Stealer. Literally. And then we... Yeah. So that's interesting to me to wonder how, like, maybe Ko has, like, this connection to just, like, all knowledge. Yeah. And that's why he's so obsessed with faces, too, because he, like... Yeah wants to show you what he knows through like expression um i love that ang takes uh hey bye back to me too it feels like a heartwarming moment you oh, know yeah it's cool because like hey bye he says an old friend roku describes him mm -hmm. and hey bye is because he made hey bye feel better about the situation that he is occurring in his forest yeah. yeah um so two things one we are now in the real world, in, uh, not the spirit world, in, um, this, like, spirit oasis, yeah. Iroh, Zhao, or specifically Zhao, has showed up and scooped up one of these koi fish into a bag. And thus is presented one of the coolest animation decisions ever. And the way that they use it throughout the rest of the episode is absolutely mind-blowing to me and i think about it constantly me too. i think it's one of the the like most w one of the decisions artistically and aesthetically visually that they make in the show that makes me respect it so much Absolutely. this is so effective he takes this the 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 moon spirit and puts it in a bag so it's out of water it's suffocating it's in a bag it's in danger and the moon goes blood red, and so does everything else, because that is the source of light right now, is it's the moon. It's so cool how they show it, like, almost like a shadow Fill cast in. over things. Yeah, like, it fills it in looks, the space. Yeah, it looks like... It doesn't look like a light just got turned on. It yeah. looks like the color of everything is literally turning Fades red. Fades over to red. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Iroh's threat in that moment... Is the most ominous Ooh. and cool. Zhao, whatever you do to that fish, I will release on you tenfold. Let it go! Like the way he says, oh, let man. it go! Oh my god. And he, he expresses like, killing this will not just hurt the water nation. It will hurt everyone. But also, I like Zhao is such a good antagonist. He is doing this for a reason. He is trying to accomplish a goal. It's one of the main reasons one of the enemies in Korra is so fucking stupid. Because there's no reason for him to be doing what he's doing. Zhao has motive. He is trying to win a war. And he's done research that has given him a strategy he thinks will clench the war for him. 
But it's he's not thinking about all the collateral that will come with that. Mm-hmm. I didn't write it down, but this is one of those moments of a comedy beat helping keep the tension from being just too much. Yeah. I don't remember what it was, but I just know that there is a moment here where Aang kind of shows up and says something to make it a little bit less like, oh, okay, Aang's here now. But then Aang chimes in and is like, Zhao, you can't do this. Right. And that's when Iroh shows up. But I wish I would have written down the moment, but it's basically like really cool to me that they're able to have such a serious moment and still have... What does he say? I forget, but Aang says something that's just a little funny about mm. Zhao. And it, it works. It's not... It doesn't take away from the seriousness of the situation. I remember that too, but I, I don't remember exactly what he says. But Zhao is convinced <laughs> by uh, Iroh because, yeah, and he releases it. And then he's staring he at that moment. fish. And he gets this moment. And he just says, fuck it. And he kills this fish. Yeah. He's got like a grin when he blasts that flame. And he we wants the even power see too. Zuko's reaction. Yeah. We see everyone react. We don't just see Aang and them being like, oh my god. We see Iroh and Zuko even be like, shit. Like, yeah. it. this is a big deal. This isn't just, he killed a fish. This He's is killing the moon. The moon spirit. Because they when they described these spirits as deciding to become mortal... They're saying, like, the moon and the ocean spirit are vulnerable. And mm-hmm. this is how we see that. So he kills the fish. He even, Zhao even said earlier that uh, uh, Tui and La gave up their immortality. Yeah. To have a relationship with people in the material world and the water nation as a whole. So, yeah, they, they're vulner- vulnerable. And he knows that. So you're watching the episode and you're thinking... Did they just make everything red? Oh my god, this is the coolest show I've ever watched. And then he kills this moon spirit. When he releases it into the pond, color comes back. Yeah, yeah. He kills the the koi. And the moon just disappears. It's just gone. And everything becomes black and white. Yeah. Except for things lit by flames. So (laughs) Iroh shoots out ten fire... Because he does. He I releases it back for the tenfold. First time, really? Yeah. Like, Which is enough to scare the shit out of Zhao. Zhao runs. Mm-hmm. He literally scares Zhao away. Yep. But what's so cool is his fireballs don't light the whole scene. They light what's near them. So everyone's black and white, but then the fireball goes as it's like traveling, it's lighting things, and then it lights Zhao. And then I think my favorite thing is noticing that Yue's eyes are still blue. Yes. Because she's got she, the moon she spirit still has within some her. Of the moon spirit within her, which we, we skipped over her giving the background because there's not a whole lot to talk about that. I think it's cool, but like, I love that detail that she still has some of the life of the moon in her, so she still has some color in her eyes. And um, somehow, when they describe her having gone through this as a baby, it doesn't feel like a. Shit, we need to explain why this is going to happen. It right. really feels natural. Yeah. This show does the, like, I think that's the thing I talk about the most, is how it can just give you an expositional dump, but it really doesn't feel like one. Yeah. It feels very, very much part of the progression of, you know, conversation that's happening. Um, yeah, I, I think that's the coolest thing. And then one of the most 
<laughs> moments. Aang watches La, the ocean spirit, circling the dead uh, moon spirit Which in this is just pond. Heartbreaking. And he walks in to the pond and basically melds with the ocean spirit. The entire pond glows as he opens his eyes and his eyes glow and all of it, like him and this pond, you sense the connection of his avatar state and this spiritual pond and this spirit of the ocean, which is like inhabiting him and the pond and they're all connected. And then he just, just sinks into the pond and we get some color back. This like blue like vines out from the pond and all of the water nearby forms into I was so excited I was just jotting down words here's what I've got avatar state ocean sink blue fish man score huge <laughs> and those roughly equate to holy shit holy shit he's turned into a giant like fish creature thing that like spirit, it, fish spirit it really it's, doesn't feel like ang at all no. It feels like a fucking god. In this moment, he is a conduit for the entirety of the Avatar spirit. Yeah. Melded with, melded with the ocean. That's something that I didn't notice until this time. Even after, which I'm not going to just skip through it. We'll, we'll talk yeah. about more about this. But even after he leaves the Avatar state, the, the spirit yeah. of the ocean isn't done. Can, no, it's which not. Which we'll talk about. Yeah. But I just think that's so interesting. It proves this isn't just the Avatar state. This is the Avatar state and the ocean spirit working together. Um, so I think my favorite thing always gives me chills when I watch this episode is when he's walking through the town and he would he yeah. like looks over and we see two rows of people. One of them Water Nation, one of them Fire Nation. All the Water Nation bows. Yeah. And he looks... Looks at the next people and they hold up their spears and he just casts them away. Yeah, I just, just it's with like a wave uh, of his hand just casts them away. In uh, the the trivia of the wiki section, they it was described as being um, a parallel to uh, the story in the Bible with um, yeah. Moses like marking the doors of people that, I saw that the Holy Ghost wouldn't kill or would, and I think that's just one of the many parallels in mythology religion yeah. that that happens a lot that's not just a christian thing that's right very common and it's like it just gives the uh the spirit of the ocean a much more ominous presence rather than just being like oh it's just gonna wipe out the fire nation it's right. literally going through with this all power and looking for who and then they're bowing so he knows okay well they're they respect right. me so not them it feels yeah. more godlike than yeah. just Aang controlling and winning. It, it really feels like this deity. It's yeah. so cool to me. And the sheer size of him, like there's a shot. I, I think he even grows as he starts walking through the city. Because at first he's like the size of the biggest palace. And I love how he shows off his size right away. Yeah. Like Aang just is like doing a thing and he just his arms holds his out. arms out like, get ready yeah. for me. Oh, it's so cool. But by the end, he's like literally the size of the northern water tribe yeah i feel like he must collect water as he's going through like he he's collecting the water from yeah the area and we need to very specifically address and praise the score oh that's one of yeah. the words i wrote down and like that is i think one of the main things giving this so much weight and uh 
giving us this massive feeling of this is a deity. This is like You're right. a god walking through this. Oh, it's like spooky. And but yeah, it's spooky. It's, it's not just like an angelic sound. It's like the dissonance is there too. Yeah, right. You're scared of this thing yeah. as well as being in awe. It's an all-powerful thing you There's should a, fear. Yeah, depth and magnitude to the sound that is being produced as this is happening. But it's also like chant-like. It's, a, yeah. you know, prolonged and held out so that there's no suspense. It's like, I mean, there's suspense, but it's not like, oh, is he going to be able? It's like, oh, no, this is endgame. You this know, is like, endgame, this is... yeah. The suspense is for everyone else. Yeah. Speaking on the score, too, this episode has a couple moments. One when Zhao takes out the um, moon spirit, and then one at the very end of the episode, which we're, we've almost gotten to. It's almost like The Shining. They do these like high violins of. It's like so. It gives me chills. But I don't think they've used that yet on the show. So I don't know. The the soundtrack really feels bigger in this episode. I think they they must have done something like had a like. I I know that some episodes of this show use a live orchestra. I don't know Mm. if this if they've done that yet. But it almost feels like it. I love that Iroh notices Yue's blue eyes. And he can tell it's more than just, like, a little detail. He immediately goes, You've been touched by the moon spirit. Yeah, Iroh just... He gets it. Now, like, up until now, I haven't been able to say it. Because those of you listening would be like, Okay, but why? Now I can say it. He's the coolest character. Yeah, yeah. I now mean, we can say it, you know? There's a character that gives him a, a run for his money in season two, but... Uh, Definitely. But Iroh's the coolest. I mean, He's the coolest. He might not be my favorite, yeah. but he might be. Uh, so then we get to... Aang falls out of the Avatar state. Wh- okay. Before he does. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> he wades out into the ocean past the gates which also as he's making that quest we see there's like levels to these gates so that you know mm-hmm. it would be hard for anybody to reach the palace which is you know definitely a, a architectural uh homage to i don't know specifically uh but i i, I know there's definitely something there <laughs> but i mostly i want to say he gets out to where all the ships are where the majority of the fire nation people are because they're not even all in the fire, uh, the Northern Water Tribe at this yeah, point. Yeah, most of them are. Most of them are still in the ships, and he looks around, and they start trying to retreat, and he does not let them. He chops ships down. He s- turns them over with waves, and then he makes one massive wave to push them all like miles back before Ang gets out of this thing out of this like connection with the ocean spirit and the ocean spirit takes his no longer avatar state body and flows it back to the front gate it like sets him down like it's this is it's a moment that you feel so much disconnect from the ocean spirit to mortals because it's so angry and so you know like it's literally like wiping people out But then in that moment, it's almost like a reminder that the reason for all this is because it feels things. Just like you and me, 
it felt lost and it, mm. it it just that little simple act of setting him delicately on top of the wall yeah it's like it's not just some god it's a thing with feelings and it's trying to help hang out yeah and then oh man oh i think this is my favorite moment in the whole episode for some reason i don't even yeah. know why because we get zuko oh, and yeah. Zhao facing off and as they are, which is already really cool, they have a Zuko great saying, battle. You tried to have me killed! Because he knows he blew up the ship. And all of a sudden, this blue water that's glowing just shows up to surround them. Mm-hmm. And Zuko backs away, and the water doesn't follow him. It is coming for the killer. Yep. It is coming for yep. Zhao. And Zuko realizes this, and you see his face go from anger and hate to fear and helpful like he he feels fear compassion he feels fear for Zhao he reaches out his hand take my hand and Zhao almost does he has a look of fear goes to reach out and then he gets a look of determined anger just takes his hand back and looks at him like fuck you and then the spirit takes him also, oh, wow. I, I think this is even more satisfying, by the way, because of the fact that uh, Yue gives her life to be able to bring back life to the moon spirit, and color returns. The moon fades back in, and Zhao sees that before he dies. And I think yeah. that's really important. He sees the moon come back, and he goes, No, it can't be! And then he gets taken. So he dies knowing he failed. <laughs> yeah, that's it's, so it's just satisfying. So for someone who has been such a good antagonist, who has made us so mad and has been just such a dick, it's so satisfying to see him get his just desserts. And to parallel that satisfaction, the episode ends ooh, with some Mark Hamill. Yeah. Killing it. He Mark, only has like one line, but he is... It's the, the first time he, we're hearing him I think as the he, Fire Lord, isn't is it? Is it? Or yeah, did he, I think in so. the episode with... Zuko, though, when he fights Zuko. I don't think he ever speaks, does he? he? Doesn't he say, uh, I think he does, because in the trivia for that episode, Dante oh, okay. Basco was like, I've, working with Mark Hamill made me That's feel like right. I was working on Star you're right, Wars. You're right, you're right. But this is like the first in real time time we're hearing him, because that was a flashback. Right, right. Yeah, so now okay. it's like we cut, we cut to the fire, fire Lord, and someone is bowing, and he tells this person bowing, it's time for you to go get your brother. Yep. And she looks up, and we know this is Zuko's sister, who he yep. just talked about. Yep. And the music comes back. The music with Zhao killing the, the moon spirit. It's like yep. The Shining. It's this terrifying symphony of violins, all high dissonant notes. Yeah. And honestly, I had more trouble not starting the next episode than I would have if I would have stopped between these two parts yeah like yeah. it really really feels wrong to just like take a second now and wait for the next episode it is such a good cliffhanger so yeah i mean unfortunately for us doing this podcast god damn it it's gonna be a couple weeks before we're watching again so oh yeah a couple oh things yeah planned. Uh, that's good though because i'm just gonna the anticipation good. will yeah. grow but let's think about it since we're like sort of at the end of the episode here where are we left off with Zuko and Iroh, Zuko has failed. They they both almost failed to stop Zhao. I mean, he killed the moon spirit, and it was extremely lucky that 
they had Yue who had that connection, but Zuko just says, I'm tired. And Iroh oh. says, rest. You must rest now. A man, rest needs, his a man rest. needs his rest. Which he said to him um, when he got hurt by his dad. Yeah. In the flashback, yep. he says, come on, a man needs his rest. Yep. So this is like... Another like stage of Zuko's life. You and can tell relationship with Iroh. And, and relationship with Iroh. Absolutely. Um, we've got Aang, who has just undergone this extreme... like. Almost failure to, like, help at all because he tried his best and he was doing so well, but, you know, couldn't... There was just so many of them. But then he has this connection with the ocean spirit, which will affect him. Like, I love that th- that has consequences. Oh, yeah. That um, deepens his connection with the spirit world, too, for sure. Yeah, it, it's... Yeah, it, it's something to keep in mind going forward. Yeah, Sokka has lost Yue. They got that final moment, which they finally got to kiss. (laughs) Also, but also that whole, like, her coming up, like, fading in, being like, I'll always be with you. I was kind of like, why'd that happen? Like, I don't know. Like, it only happened so that Sokka could get a final, like, oh, goodbye, and they finally get to smooch. Yeah, hopefully she appeared in two places at once and also showed up to uh, her dad. (laughs) You know, like, I'll always be with you. Her dad walks up. Was that my daughter? No, no, don't worry about it. Um, But we do get that really cool moment where they're watching the moon and Sokka says, you must be proud. Mm. Which I just thought when I first watched the episode, I was like, what? Mm. Why would he be proud? And then he he says, I am. And sad. Yeah. You know, because it's like his daughter is now the moon spirit. Yeah. Of course he's proud, but he lost her. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think that's really touching. We also get the context that uh, Paku is going down to the Southern Water yep. Tribe to try and help build that Which up. isn't what we want for his redemption arc, but maybe it's what he needs. Maybe yeah. his character... We'll see. I don't even yeah. remember. Maybe when we see him next, he'll be like, Hey, I just learned that I was an asshole. <laughs> I don't know. That'd be nice. I don't quite remember him ever coming back and being like, I was a sexist prick, but uh, I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, right? Um, uh, so... And he, he tells... You know, Katara, like, you can help train Aang Yes, I love that. Aang didn't master waterbending when he needed to. Yeah. But Katara did. Yeah. So now he has a master. Yep. That's so cool to me. Like, the show is not about the Avatar's journey. It's about all of their journeys. Yeah. And this, uh, it really hits that home. So, yeah, who else? Is that everyone? I think... I think that's all the bases Appa of our main Momo, characters. Appa and Momo, I yeah. mean, they've gone through some shit at this point, and they can't even talk about it, so we'll see how they are in the next episode. Oh, man. Um, so, speaking on the next episode, so the next episode of Avatar will be watched by us in a couple weeks, but by you... Wait. <laughs> but yeah. the next episode of A New Lens will be watched by you soon, and will not be about Avatar. And that's it won't what be I watched, say. it'll be listened there we go. <laughs> yeah. Unless you stare at yeah. your Spotify screen while listening, like sometimes yeah, sure. I find myself doing yeah. and then go, wait, why am I, why Quick. am I just doing nothing? All right. Something that Calvin and I have talked extensively about is what we're going to do between seasons of Avatar, because obviously if you're listening to this, you might be hopeful that a new lens isn't just about one show. We are too. We want to make stuff about other stuff. We did that one episode on Sinbad. I don't know if uh, yeah. you listened to that, but uh, yeah. So we thought a lot about it, and we really want to talk about the Sam Raimi Spider-Man trilogy. Hell yeah. 
uh, we figure maybe one movie behind each season of Avatar, which will be perfect because there are only three seasons. But we also want to utilize this. We didn't even realize how we could utilize it, but a new lens doesn't just mean a new lens as filmmakers. It's also in a world where we are people trying to better ourselves. Our lens on just like general films changes all the time. One of those films, which we don't even know yet, we haven't dove back into it, but we're pretty sure we're going to have a lot to talk about. Tropic Thunder. If a you, movie uh, that's very like uh, high school boy <laughs> centric. It's white written and directed high by Ben centric. Stiller, so uh, you can imagine. Justin Thoreau is also one of the writers on that, but those are like white men, you know. Like uh, one of yeah, the there's to to foreshadow what our episode will probably be a lot of focused on. One of the characters in that uh, in that movie is played by Robert Downey Jr. and a lot of criticism has come up in the last few years about whether or not it's okay what he does in that epi- or in that movie, yeah. which is basically blackface. Yep. And uh, not basically, it's blackface. It is. It's blackface. And it's like how... blackface context- contextually in the movie. I'm I'm worried because I remember really liking that movie, and I don't want to be defending something that is like harmful to people and to ideologies that are harmful to people. But I want to have a real discussion about it, about that movie, and that's why... And there's no better place to do that than on a podcast about that. Yep. yep. Um, so, yeah, get ready for that. We're going we're gonna to try to dive... I think for the Rami episode, we'll dive into the filmmaking a lot more than uh, progressive politics. But <laughs> yeah. I really think that with Tropic Thunder, we're going to do as much research as we can, and it's going to be... A little bit different of an episode, so yeah. stay tuned. I hope I hope you guys like that. I hope you've been liking this. If this season felt like a success of a podcast to you, yeah. let us know. Please there's reach anything out. Yeah. Like, all right, well, I would love it if your episodes were just like five minutes shorter. Yeah, or let us know. We'll Any take... small thing, one detail that I uh, took a note from my brother is uh, just give uh, timestamps in the description. I started. Putting like when the episode recap starts and stuff like that, oh, like little detail cool. stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, please, if you have any sort of ideas, uh, reach out to us. If you know us personally, we'll, we'll accept that. But also, you can go to legendary4.com. There's a comment section in every one of these episodes, and uh, I check that every day. And uh, well, nobody's utilized it yet, to be honest with you. So please. Uh, reach out if you're listening um we'd love to hear from you and hear what you thought of this first season it's i think uh we're technically going to count these two inter avatar season episodes in the first season of our show um so uh next sunday is going to be spider-man sunday yep. after that will be tropic thunder uh and then we'll start Get back into avatar again start back in yeah we uh gotta get a kid moment for the week though yes we do Oh man, I didn't write it down. I had one. Uh, do I know you have exa- yours? I know exactly what. It mine probably is. is the same one as mine because there was one. <laughs> um, I mean, 
Han. It's Han yes. finally getting to That's the it. ship. Which like, also is hilarious. Admiral Choi. <laughs> and he just steps to the side. You know, he, he literally just, yeah. He, he just does moves. nothing. He just moves and he Han falls off. And he's never seen from again, and I'm pretty sure he's dead. Too. I think like, he is because in the trivia, they said dead, yeah. multiple characters are lost Die, in this yeah. episode. And UA one does, of them that they talk about is Han. And Han they falls like, off a sh- It's like a comedic death. Yeah. Like, oh. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's it, right? There's that's other it. funny moments, but... That's absolutely... <laughs> that's that or... That can be... uh one, Let's do two little ones. Sure, that, yeah. And then I think you'd agree... Oh! Yeah, yeah, right, the monkey. That monkey is yeah. hilarious. I love that Because monkey. I think my favorite thing about it, too, is... In almost any media where there's, like, a spirit realm... It almost feels like everything in that realm is catering to the, the protagonist. But right. when he shows up, it's like they don't want him around. <laughs> yeah, that monkey does not do want him around there. So it just cracks me up. Like he's in, he's uh, kind of like infiltrating this spirit realm when he shouldn't be. Oh, man. So, yeah. Uh, thanks so much for listening to this uh, extended episode yeah. on two episodes. You can't just do this and less than an hour so we had to kind of go hard sorry about that hopefully it was entertaining thank you for listening yeah we we super appreciate i don't know we already did that whole appreciation speech but really yeah i'm 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 just so happy to be doing this it really does um and uh yeah if you know about uh maybe you know about our other podcast our D &D podcast legendary four space vampires i'm sorry i usually let you do that space vampires vampires uh we have kind of a big uh culmination episode coming out next friday it's so good we just recorded it uh there's a lot of cool stuff i'm planning on doing editing with it too i think it's going to be a really thrilling listen Um, i mean as a player it was so entertaining that i didn't even realize the episode was over when it was all of a sudden we looked down and an hour had passed and we're like oh wow uh so that should be coming out next friday the 24th uh, and then that following Sunday will be uh, Spider-Man on this podcast. So. Oh, and if you're hearing us say Spider-Man and Tropic Thunder and you're thinking, oh, I wish they would watch this movie, let us know that too. Because yeah. we are going to have breaks mid-season, end mm-hmm. of season. And if you guys love these breaks, maybe we'll do more off. Maybe every few episodes we'll do yeah. a movie break. And yeah, I mean, we don't have a ton of movies in our roster. Obviously, we'd want to maybe hit the other Spider-Man movies, but... Let us know if you think of anything. Yeah. Well, uh, live from a park in Minnesota, (laughs) I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. Thanks for listening. 